Welcome to our seventh episode of Bruin Success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and discover the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Jared Richmond, who currently works as a senior account manager at Wasserman. Wasserman, founded by fellow Bruin Casey Wasserman and headquartered here in Westwood, is a culture-centric agency serving the best talent, brands, and properties in the world. Jared graduated from UCLA in 2011 with a degree in sociology, then went on to later earn an MBA in marketing from Loyola Marymount University. Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to campus today and taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So to kick us off, can you tell us a little more about Wasserman and what a day in the life looks like for you as senior account manager? So Wasserman, I've been at Wasserman for what, four months now, almost five. Um, let's see, yeah, January, February, March, April. So four full months starting my fifth tomorrow. Um, and it is a great company. It is more than just an agency for people that don't know. It's a media company. Um, they own multiple, multiple subsidiaries that do any and all things across, you know, media, social media, um, athlete representation, athlete branding, um, all types of things. You know, I may not be the best and most equipped to explain what Wasserman does, but you know, it is a very, very wide ranging company with a wide range of capabilities and the largest as far as talent represented agency in um, sports. Wow. Yeah. And so what part of your job is most challenging? Um, and can you maybe kind of walk us through some typical kind of projects or responsibilities on your plate? And then on the other side of that coin, what's most rewarding or exciting about the work you get to do? Well, the company that I work with within Wasserman is um, the agency, and it's a um, it's a subsidiary of Wasserman that's a sports-focused advertising agency focusing on digital and, you know, all creative needs that brands have. Um, we're looking to kind of guide brands that sports-themed brands and then, you know, brands that are looking to activate within the sports space um, in the best way possible, given our access to, you know, like I mentioned before, the largest sports agency, you yeah. know, as far as representation out there. So, um, you know, I think it is really getting to the the most challenging thing for me is getting to the root of what people are looking for. And mm. then, you know, acting in a collected and um, uniform and, you know, aligned way with everybody within the company. Um, I think that it's very, very easy to just overpromise and underdeliver, mm -hmm. and you know, making sure sure all of your ducks are in a row first is probably the most challenging thing. Um, I think because you know, working in account and then you know, touching other sides like strategy and all those things, we really are um, in charge of a lot, and we have a lot of responsibility on building a brand and making sure that they their audience that they're looking to reach is reached properly. Um, and, you know, that their brand is seen in a light by those that they're not necessarily trying to reach in a way that can help them to, you know, engage and garner new people that are interested. So um, advertising is a business that's as old as, you know, um, media. So, mm -hmm. you know, as soon as the radio hit, I feel like, or magazines or anything like that, you know, people were wanting to sell their products via that medium. So right. just looking to do the same types of things that have been going on for a long time with an ever-changing landscape you know, with brands that are looking to do, you know, sports themed things and then reach people not necessarily within sport, but as a sports brand is something that, you know, is a challenge. But that's part of why I think I'm in the industry is for that challenge. That's super cool. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your kind of professional trajectory so far? So going back from, you know, UCLA sociology student to now being at Wasserman, kind of what were some of the most pivotal moments along that journey? Um, 
and getting to the, the point you are today, you know, did you have any internships or experiences as a student that really kind of helped shape that path? Definitely. Um, so if I can, if I can run back through my UCLA trajectory, mm -hmm. I started bright eyed and bushy tailed, um, <laughs> didn't have a job my freshman year. Thank you, parents. Um, I really appreciate you. Thank you, Tobin and Sandy Richmond for paying for this public education for me. Um, <laughs> And um, I gave them a little help because I got an alumni scholarship. Shout out to James West Alumni Center, where we're currently recording this, um, <laughs> and all the people involved in that. Um, but I came in and saw an opportunity. I chose my major based on hearing someone speak. Mm -hmm. um, a professor spoke at a um, alumni scholars event um, right before I started, and he was um, a sociology professor. And he talked to me about learning about people and culture and, you know, um, what kind of how societies and communities within society and cultures within society grow and um, develop and become like in and of themselves, like societal pillars. So I was very interested in that. Um, my dad is very pragmatic um, and thought that I should do something that ended with, you know, PhD or, uh, you know, Dr. Richmond. But, you know, we discussed that. I came in and did the sociology thing. So I was really excited about it. Um, I wanted to be a sports agent and, um, so I came in with this idea that, you know, this analytical writing major, you go to law school, you become a sports agent. So that was my trajectory. Um, started there. Um, a buddy of mine that I just met, um, that I met on campus, was working for a company called Blue and Gold, which is now part of the compliance company, uh, part of the compliance department, sorry. Um, and it was focused on athlete recruiting. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a way to kind of meet more people within the sports departments. Um, learn a little bit more about um, learn a little bit more about that process and how to relate to athletes or you know essentially it was giving high school athletes the opportunity to experience UCLA in a way that was unique to them. So I do guided tours, private guided tours for athletes and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was building kind of like these building blocks to go towards this sports agent thing. Um, extracurricular like that was a job so I got paid for that. Yeah. My senior year I took on the recruiting and then I was an academic support mentor for athletes. So I had five or six clients that were clients for like quotes on that um, <laughs> clients that were student athletes. I helped them with like schedule management, you know, just checking in with them on their academic success. Sure. Um, I still have friends that, you know, that were formerly people that I consulted yeah. within that role. Um, today, actually, That's some of them work cool. at UCLA. So it's like a fabulous kind of relationship yeah. to build with people. Um, but I was the only person that was still in college on that team. Everybody else was outside of college and had moved to LA to pursue this one year kind of certificate. Okay. Um, so I did that and learned a little bit about, um, you know, just the different sides of what it means to be an athlete. Um, because, you know, you, you essentially sell UCLA to athletes coming in, but then once they get here, totally. what does it, what does it mean to succeed as an athlete in a, you know, a bustling college environment? <laughs> so my senior year, that was something that I took on as well. So that that was kind of like what what paid me and what I kind of was looking to garner experience from um, on a practical level, you know, just to get to this building block of where I wanted to be eventually. But extracurricularly, I had um, I worked on Hip Hop Congress and uh, um, within the Cultural Affairs Commission and on the Jazz Reggae Fest. Um, I miss having it on the intramural field. Sorry, I'm gonna put a <laughs> I'm gonna put a poster out there. I know we changed it to artificial turf and with the vendors and all kinds of stuff, it doesn't work, but Jazz Reggae Festival, um, this reminds me of more people that I can suggest for this because 
the Jazz Reggae Festival was, um, we sold it to all of LA. It wasn't just UCLA. Oh. Um, and That's we awesome. sold out the intramural field two years in a row my junior and senior year. And tens of thousands of people were on oh. campus. It was fabulous. That's and so those kind of passion projects, I was involved in music with friends of mine from back home. So just working in music and all that type of stuff was something that I was always interested in as well. Yeah. So um, I did those two things. Um, you know, I... Um, really just poured myself into whatever um, whatever kind of fulfilled me when I was in college. Um, I even hung out at an arcade in Ackerman. It's not there anymore, I don't think. But, you know, just things to just keep you interested in your entire experience um, kind of helped me to be, to just, you know, live within myself and then, you know, look outwardly and be like, this is what I want to do, but I still have these things that I'm passionate about that I can compartmentalize and make yeah, time for. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the last thing, you said internships. So let me think. I worked I worked back home um, for UC Berkeley. My mom has been working there okay. for as long as I've been alive. Wow. So I went back and did some administrative work there sure. um, for two summers between my sophomore and junior, my freshman and sophomore year, and then my sophomore and junior year. Okay. And then between my junior year and senior year, I stayed down here and got an internship with the sports marketing department at LRG. Oh, super cool. So LRG is a clothing brand, um, still very popular, yeah. um, maybe not culturally, but just wholesale wise, like they're in every Zoomy store everywhere. Yeah, totally. So shout out to Sai and all the guys. LRG yeah, parts, yeah, yeah, Sai and the guys over there um, and RP Jonas. Jonas was the founder and I actually got the chance to work for him oh, and he passed away years ago. But um, I just wanted to make sure to give that shout out as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I took that internship as a sports marketing intern. So LRG was broken out into different marketing departments. There was entertainment marketing, there was sports marketing, there was, you know, just general marketing. And um, I drove two days a week um, to Irvine from Westwood. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I couldn't do five days a week. It was too much gas. <laughs> yeah. But um, two days a week from drive. Westwood, um, every week in the summer to work with them on, you know, initiatives in-house. Um, learned a lot about just the sports marketing funnel. And just, you know, just more and more building blocks to mm -hmm. try to get to this place that I wanted to go. Um, and then let's see. So we'll talk about hmm, that. That's all. These are all things that happened within UCLA. The guy who I work for, Sayamaka Kalfaki, um, is a UCLA alum. UCLA alum. He played football here. Okay. And a buddy of mine who um, who I'm still really good friends with said, hey, do you want to work for LRG? And I was like, yeah. Um <laughs> And he just got me the internship and I did it pro bono. It was just one of those things where I was like, hey, man, you know, this is something that you can do. This is a UCLA alum. And I just want to say, if there's any experience that helped me get to where I am today, because I was kind of one of the things that we're looking for within this part yeah. of the podcast is um, your network. You're only as strong as your network. And um, having the personality to build a network isn't as important mm -hmm. as just focusing on building a strong one. You don't have to be the most outgoing. I'm the most outgoing guy I know, like 100%. <laughs> and it's I've, I've been trained that way. Yeah. Like, you know, my grandpa is very magnanimous. My dad took on some of that. And this is his father-in-law. So, like, you know, he took on a lot of that from my mom's dad. Um, and then I took a lot from it because I spent a lot of time with him. And um, they made me read a book. Um, by Dale Carnegie is called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, and nice. it's like one of those super yeah. dense, like thick, like, you know, I like to read a lot, but this book sucked yeah. to read. <laughs> but I read it. And one of the things that spoke to me and that spoke to me most in there was that when you're having conversations with others, 
um, in order to learn the most about them, you want them to talk about themselves. You don't want to mm-hmm. focus conversation on yourself if you're really trying to learn about someone else and yeah. then forge a relationship with someone else. So I think I took that lesson with me in any and all relationships that I had at UCLA, and it ended up becoming a very fruitful network for me. Um, it gave me opportunities that I wouldn't have necessarily had, friends that I wouldn't have necessarily had, lifelong you know, relationships that I wouldn't have had, and just, you know... I still remember George, like I still have a relationship with George because of just like meeting and coming and talking to people and really just getting to know them on a different than surface level. And I think that's the most helpful experience to help me get to where I am today is taking relationships as not, not just, you know, they aren't just people, they're stories Mm -hmm. and being part of someone's story is a privilege. So being able to come into it with something that coming into a relationship with something that's, you know, tangible and you can, you know, this is what I can give you, but also here's who I am. Let me know who you are. And then we can forge a relationship that way. And um, that's the biggest lesson that I've taken just from growing as a person is just be, be who you are and really be interested in who other people are. And it will, I think, you know, for the 29, almost 30 years that I've been living, it's been working out okay for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, yeah, I think that's really just powerful and inspiring advice. And it's very clear that you made the most of your time here by fully immersing yourself in your experiences and opportunities. And like you said, really developing these genuine relationships and making those connections and finding people who you can lean on kind of, you know, during your time here and beyond. So I I think, yeah, that's just such, um, such strong advice and really helpful for students that are listening when they're thinking about making their time here count. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, nowadays with the value of higher education being questioned and industries becoming even more competitive for bachelor's degree candidates to get jobs, there's a lot of students and alumni who think that earning an advanced degree is becoming more of a necessity down the line. So can you talk us through kind of your experience um, graduating and going out to the professional world and then exploring graduate school and kind of what led you to pursue an MBA? Definitely. Um, UCLA kind of rocket. It, it, it was like a rocket ship into the <laughs> industry that I thought I wanted to go into. Um, I started and this isn't on my resume, but you know, adversity happens. So, you know, everybody just. Absolutely. So I took the LSAT, scored pretty highly on it, did pretty well, got into USC um, and went for a year and tried it out. And um one thing to say is that it was the first time I really faced academic adversity in my life. Like stats was pretty hard for me at UCLA, but getting a law degree um, was something that I thought was necessary to get to where I want to go. But one thing that I learned is that being malleable and allowing life to happen is more important than, um, you know, just staying firm to the trajectory that you thought you wanted for yourself. Yeah. Um, so I went to law school and Another lesson that I learned, sorry, after law school was to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Law school and just general um, higher level education is something, you know, you learn how to write essays and you learn how to, you know, in, in undergraduate, you learn how to be a proper student, how to learn, how to mm-hmm. study, all that kind of stuff. But when you get past that level and go to something more specialized, there's a certain skill set that you have to learn and um a, a skill set and process that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take it as seriously as it needs, it will eat you alive. And that's mm-hmm. what happened to me. Um, I went and I was so excited about it. I was like, okay, you know, you're going to do this law school thing. You're going to be a sports agent. This is what you wanted to do. 
Um, I was balancing a lot on my plate right after undergrad. Um, and this fell victim to just my balance not being as um, intact as I thought it was. And it was devastating to me um, to go through this. I'm going to pull up a quote that my mom, the email that my mom wrote to me when I, um, when I was trying to get back into school and back into law school after I was like, okay, let's see if you want to go back. And, um, she wrote me an email that said, I love you. You are the best son a mother can, could want, and you are not perfect. You are human and beautiful mama. And she wrote that to me after this lifelong dream that I thought I wanted kind of blew up in my face. Mm. Um, and just keeping me grounded in the fact that you are not going to be all what you're not always going to be what you think you want to be. Um, you're going to be yourself and you have to be okay with that. And I think that, so that was kind of like the trajectory. So initially pursue law because it's like, it's what you do. If you want to be a sports agent, mm -hmm. I have all this kind of experience in it. You guys heard like all yeah. this experience in it, like all this da, da 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 da. And it was like, okay, this is it. Like, you know, this is what you got. This is your chance. Right? So that kind of blew up on my face and I was okay with that. It took a little bit of time. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I think one lesson for people listening to this is that adversity does not shape you. It just makes you stronger. And if you allow, only if you don't allow it to shape you, you mm -hmm. know, if you, if you fail, don't allow failure to shape you, just move past it at your own pace because everybody deals with it in mm -hmm. their own way. But, you know, just deal with it in your own way. One, two, um, get over it. Because it's not, you can't go back and change how your life works yeah. and how it, how it goes. It's just, you know, um, keep forging on. So that happened. And I was like really excited about an advanced degree, right? So I was like, okay, this is going to differentiate, differentiate me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go into social work. And that's a standard kind of like degree for a sociology major mm -hmm. um, or a job for a sociology degree. So I was like, okay, you know what? You need to take what you did look at what you want to do, but then, you know, go study something that you feel like you're interested in. Um, so while I was at UCLA, I looked into the accounting major mm -hmm. or the accounting minor mm -hmm. to go with my sociology degree because yeah. a bunch of my buddies were doing it. Um, I took econ. It was at 930 on a Tuesday. Did not make it every time. People go to class. <laughs> Did not make it every time. It was hard. Um, a large lecture with econ is crazy for uh, my, my uh, I think his name was Jack Shu. Um, I appreciate you for trying to teach me, um, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't really invested in it as much as I should have as an undergrad student, but I realized that I kind of had this interest in, um, and I worked in promotions for the Jazz Reggae Festival. Oh, so it was just something yeah. where you were working on kind of the marketing arm of the things that, you know, I was marketing UCLA to student athletes. Totally. So I was like, yeah. you know, I just totally. like found inspiration in the things that I had done before it, before um, this kind of adversity happened. And, you know, recalibrated and was like, okay, you took one uh, test that ends in at, why don't you take another one? <laughs> so um, while working odd jobs and everything um, in between law school and business school, I took the GMAT. You know, I, I was not. And one thing that I can say, too, about adversity, don't be afraid to do anything to build yourself up, mm -hmm. build yourself back up confidence wise. I worked in a warehouse and I had a college degree. It was like. It was like I needed to make money. Yeah. And my parents were willing to support me in this transitional time, but I wanted to contribute. And, you know, fresh out of college, it was hard mm -hmm. to, you know, if you go to school for a year, you have like, you know, I racked up loans in that one year yeah. at USC. Shout out UCLA for being public because, <laughs> whoo, man. You know, like yeah. you just get these these things happen and you just figure out, you know, I got to pick myself up. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm 
so thankful for my support system, my mom, my dad, my sister, my family, my friends. And they just really said, you know what? Let us help you get your opportunity. Shout out to Pink Dolphin. I worked in Pink Dolphin's warehouse. So that's those are friends of mine from the Bay Area that started that brand. And they said, hey, you need you need help? Like, bro, please come work in our warehouse. Like, yeah. amazing, right? So I did that. I um worked in uh worked in kind of kids' sports lessons because I played sports intramurals. I played sports in high school, so I just did private sports lessons through another UCLA friend of mine who was like, "Hey, man, you need you need a job. You told me you needed a job. Here's yeah. an opportunity for you. It's paid pretty well." Da, 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 da. Yeah. So your network, like I said at the beginning, is all. It's like the biggest and sorry for arachnophobes spider web that you can fall down onto if you ever fall on hard times because it's strong and durable, but you don't always see it. You know, like mm. it's you know, like. It's one yeah. of the, you know, so like you fall, you, I'm, I, I operate in those. Like it's one of my, it's one of my things. I wish I could market them and sell them, but I can't. So I just use them in casual conversation. Um, but yeah, like keep your network strong um, because it can help you in the darkest personal times. And, you know, I, I was a co-valedictorian in my high school class. I did pretty well at UCLA. And then I essentially was kicked out of law school. So, you know, like, and my network helped me back up. And these yeah. are friends, like my network, I'm using it as in its own, in its own, um, in its own right. But these are friends of mine. Right. Like these aren't people that I would consider acquaintances. Yeah. These are people that really have my back and I would go to the ends of the earth for them for helping me at a time where I didn't know what to do. Sure. So going back to the other test with the at, I studied and took the GMAT. Um, I applied to Loyola Marymount University. It's a great university. My sister went there for undergrad and okay. she said, hey, we have an MBA program here. Um, why don't you apply? I applied. I got in. I started in January of 2014. So my first year of law school ended in 2012, um, May of 2012. I was looking to try to get back in through May of 2013. Um, I found out I couldn't get back in in probably May of 2013. Right after that, I started studying for the GMAT. So okay. like June, July, 2013, okay. I started studying for that yeah. um, and took the test in November, um, submitted everything to LMU in December, and the program was looking for students. So, you know, it's it's garnered, it's grown so much now, but they were looking for students. So I applied and got in and started the next month in January. Wow. So um, they were still doing rolling admission. They were looking for people to come to the school. So um that started and I took the same approach to it. Like, you know, it was, but with renewed focus because I knew it was nightly. So I had a job during that time. Um, so in between those odd jobs, I got a job as a um, talent agent assistant. Um, so I was working another friend of mine. So mm -hmm. one of my friends from home, not actually from UCLA, but a friend from home. Um, I was looking for a, like an actual desk job to really start this business school career with. Yeah. So, um, I applied to Abrams Artist Agency in Hollywood um, with the help of a friend who was sitting on another desk there. Um, I interviewed twice, got the job. So I was sitting there, I was wearing a suit every day. Um, and I would drive from um, two nights a week because it was um, nightly by, by like oh, two yeah. times a week classes. So Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday. Sure. Um, from West Hollywood to Marina Del Rey mm. for class. Um, and... I was so excited because I negotiated that into my like kind of employment. It was like, hey, I'm doing this for myself. Like I'm looking to invest in myself with this advanced yeah. degree. So I'd appreciate just, you know, maybe being able to leave right. 15 so minutes early, really, a couple of days. Yeah. So I did that. Um, 
my department split off from Abrams Artist Agency and started a company that's still in Westwood, actually. I came to work in Westwood right after I was in West Hollywood, okay. which was so crazy to be back here. This is 2014. So I was back here in Westwood, you know, like right there. And um, it was crazy to be back because, you know, you remember all the things. You go to the places you go. Bruco was gone. So I was mad. I was like, man, where, like, where's all my spots? Like, this was before Maloney's wasn't Maloney's anymore. It's now Rocco's. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these things, like, come on, guys. These are staples. But Rocco's is amazing. Um, so I came back here, worked for them, and I was getting a degree in marketing. So, um, you know, sustainability marketing, uh, like I crushed econ the second time I took it too. <laughs> I took it in grad school and I crushed it. So I was like, you know, my retribution was yeah. on high. Like I was like, you know, I had to take business law. I crushed that. So it's like, you know, like, oh, econ class in yeah. undergrad, oh, law school, like I can do it. Like, you know, so I just looked to kind of build upon the experiences that kind of got me to where I was with this new kind of like degree. So I would say as far as so yeah, that's my experience that led me to pursue an MBA, kind of looking at the strengths that I had during my undergraduate career, um, like kind of processing adversity and really like mm -hmm. saying, okay, you know that you want to do this advanced schooling process, find one that works better for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I think just people, my sister, Channing, like, thank you for telling me this program existed and just giving me the push to go somewhere because I knew that I wanted to do it. I didn't know where I wanted to go. But, mm -hmm. you know, just having the handout from someone else sometimes can either can just point you in the right direction. So thank you to my sister for uh, just letting me know about that program on campus. I got to spend one semester with her before she graduated, oh. which was amazing. I used That's to go awesome. to her house before class and all that. So it was yeah. just it was just great. Um Everything worked out in the end. I got my degree in 2016. I got to go to Europe twice for, um, wow. yeah, like as part of my education, um, you know, got to see parts of the world that I hadn't thought about seeing, but will go back to now because I was there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, everything happens for a reason, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer in it. Allow things to happen to you because you know that you're strong enough to rebound from anything that comes your way. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what I live my life by now is just, you know, be malleable because life is not one course. Mm -hmm. You know, there are detours <laughs> and, you know, U-turns and then, oh, switch directions yeah. and left turn signals and right turn signals and hazards and like, you know, and relationships because those are real too. Like, yeah. and change where you work and all that kind of stuff and what you pursue and all that. But ultimately, you know, choose wisely for yourself because ultimately the only person you're living this life with at the end of the day is yourself mm -hmm. um and you have to be happy with who you are in that self um so yeah that's that's long-winded but no that's great as far as career trajectory there was i was working at that company doing uh, managing um service personnel so basically lighting designers, I went to Coachella for free for a couple of years because we managed people that designed oh, the sets wow. for artists performing there. Cool. Um, it's a very like, I have nothing but great things to say, but I left it because I knew that this advanced degree that I was, that I was getting was putting me on a different trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I, the industry that I was in, I still am friends with the people that I used to work with. There are two buildings down for me right now wow. at Wasserman. So I go to lunch with them every once in a That's while. I pop by their office, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And 
another lesson don't burn any bridges ever ever it's not worth the possible ramifications in your future as opposed to the actual ones because there could be actual ones but the possible ones are enough to say it's not worth damaging your reputation with anyone regardless of what you do and whether you're being selfish because i was in that role i was one of the longest tenured managers other than the two point managers there Mm -hmm. and i said you know what i'm getting this marketing degree i saw a job i was 27 at the time um at twitter or no this 2016 i was 20 i turned 27 in 2016 so twenty, yeah 26 and i was like there's an account coordinator job in the media and entertainment sales Uh ad sales department at twitter took it told my boss i have to take this it's an opportunity to get into an industry mm-hmm. that is directly related to what I have written on paper. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, once you kind of get those big life, um, life kind of checkpoints, you want to align what you're doing with those just in order to live a synergistic life, I feel like. Um, you know, you want to pursue your passions. And if you have a passion and you ultimately become certified in your passion, change your trajectory in order to follow that passion. Mm -hmm. So um, I worked there. I took a contract. So it was not guaranteed employment past six months. I worked there for seven months and I was referred by that company to the company that I was at before, Wasserman, Team One. Great agency, Asashi and Sachi and Publicis Group, um, family of agencies, company focused on Lexus. I worked on Lexus for, and cars, like I drive one, but like, it's not, I'm a sports and music guy. That's like, you know, I love certain cars. My dad hates that I love Mustangs because he's a Chevy guy, you know, but I like Camaros too. So, okay. <laughs> but be that as it may, I love classic cars. I'm not interested in selling cars, but you know what? It was an opportunity that was kind of lobbed up to me and I had to, you know, of course, interview and all that stuff. But, you know, in a pinch, people are your ultimate um, resource. And so I was referred there by the company that I worked with. Uh, by the teammates that I worked with at Twitter and got that job. And um, funny, this is the full circle moment. So I worked there for a year and what was it? Six months, five months working, you know, really learning the advertising industry. Um, And a friend of mine from UCLA, from the Bay Area, reached out to me telling me about the agency at Wasserman. And said, um, hey, we're looking to build out kind of this account strategy department. Like, you know, I'd love for you to be a part of it. Um, What are you thinking? And I was like, you know, looking at other opportunities. I was always listening, but not not actively looking Mm -hmm. at Team One. And um, I met with the people, talked to them a couple of times. And the kid who wanted to be a sports agent out of college ended up working at the largest sports agency in America. (laughs) Um, What was it? This was 2018, 2019, 2018 when I started. So what, seven years later, all the fun stuff that I told you mm-hmm. in between, um, I ended up there. And, you know, I work with sports theme brand on sports theme content or brands that aren't necessarily sports focused, but want to get into the sports marketing. It's the greatest. <laughs> like, um, I'm so humbled by the opportunities that were given to me. And um, the ones that I sought out myself, because, you know, I worked for some of those. Like, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, it's just the full circle moment for me. Like, every time I walk into the building, I have a different reverence for where I am because of where I started. 
and what I came from and what my goals were and how I how I had to put them to the side and just figure out the way that you know you're going to survive and because ultimately survival is the goal you know you just want to mm-hmm. do what you love but you want to do it for a long time and um I'm I'm here now and you know this podcast was just an opportunity to kind of tell that story so um I'm just thankful for the opportunity to talk to other people about it um hopefully somebody can learn something from that um please attach my email to it anybody that wants to talk to me about it sure. by all means like sure. I'm more than willing to be a resource because that's the only reason why I'm here is other people being resources um yeah uh shout out to like I've had the same best friend since high school so another piece of advice that I have is just when you build out those people that you spend your days and nights with and all that kind of stuff um make sure that they have your best interests at heart even mm-hmm. if it's not necessarily agreeable to you all the time like my friends got on me about so much and like <laughs> like I felt victimized sometimes but you know what in the end the people that really know you have your best interests at heart and you know you can challenge them and all that kind of stuff but make sure that you understand that or you find the people that really have your best interest mm-hmm. and that stay around because uh you know you can you can be there for a minute and be gone the next, but the people that choose to stay and care about where you are mm-hmm. and uh, what you're doing are the ones that allow you to achieve brewing success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's um it's your network, but it's like treat your friends like family because ultimately, you know, it, you're only as strong as the people behind you. And I think that just being an advocate for people really learning to make relationships a priority um, is the most important thing. It's just, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my spiel. What else do we got? Wow. Here? Yeah. No, I really um, want to thank you for your authenticity in sharing like that full story. Yeah. Of just, I think especially the adversity piece mm-hmm. and knowing that like, the curveballs and hurdles of life, right? Like everyone is going to experience some form of them at some point and not letting those moments define you or defeat you and kind of just help you reset. Um, and I really, really appreciate it and love um, the spider web metaphor for, yeah. um, you know, your network, like you said, not always like able to just see it, but knowing that you have all these people behind you and to turn to in your web that you can, use those resources and lean on in those moments of adversity and things like that. But um, yeah, I think uh, your story is pretty amazing and inspiring and thinking of all the different moments that eventually got you to being at Wasserman today. So mm-hmm. appreciate your authenticity and, and vulnerability and sharing yeah. that. So I've learned to be able to share it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I think I said it earlier, like adversity and processing, it takes time, but being able to talk about it takes more. Yeah. So, you know, best believe I was embarrassed about the adversity that I faced. Sure. But um, you know what? I, I'm not the first and I won't be the last. And I think that, uh, like you said, not letting it define you, but motivate you is mm-hmm. the most important thing. What you do with adversity is the most important thing, not what happens to you. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. yeah, um, you had. I have. So I have yep. two more questions because mm-hmm. you um, kind of touched on the other one that I had in mind okay. talking about your MBA. So, yeah. Um, You've given our listeners some really fantastic nuggets of advice already. Um, But if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to your 22-year-old about to graduate self, especially for our graduating seniors that might be listening to this and stressing out about post-grad life? Um, Take your time with getting into 
you know, the job market, if you feel like there's a degree that you could pursue that can help you get a leg up in that industry. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like working, don't feel like um, post-grad education is necessary. Mm -hmm. It's not. Um, I wanted, I wanted to do it. So I did it twice. You know, like I took two standardized tests (laughs) to do it. I was determined to do it, but I don't believe it's a requirement. Mm -hmm. Um, for certain professions, it is. My sister is an MFT, like working on getting her certification now. She needed to go to school after undergrad. So she went and got a degree, but you know, um, is it necessary to get me where I am today? No. Have I made lifelong friends for, from pursuing graduate education and broadened my network? Hell yes. Mm-hmm. 150%. <laughs> you know, so that's that's a thing. It's like for my 22-year-old self, do it all the same, man. Mm-hmm. Take it all on. Don't try to don't try to change who you are for where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to ebb and flow to where you w- will end up. Because I learned that trying to create this prescription for life as I wanted it doesn't work. It's not the best way. The most regimented people have dealt with a change of course, a rapid change of course, abrupt, you know, like life is not necessarily smooth all the time. There are rough patches. Mm -hmm. There are abrupt changes of pace and changes of direction and changes of people. And, you know, like these are all things like the year that I didn't get admitted back into law, law school, my grandpa passed away. And this is a very, like, you know, I mentioned him earlier. Like, he passed away. It was the worst year. Like, I broke up with my girlfriend that I had at the time. It was terrible. (laughs) It was not great. Mm -hmm. But um, the advice for, I graduated at 21, actually. I started early. Um, I started college at 17, (laughs) folks. (laughs) Only because my parents started me early in kindergarten. So, it just ended up working out. But um, um, allow yourself to live. And... um, that's the biggest nugget for 20, 21, 22 year old, anyone. Allow yourself to live. Do what you feel is right. Be honest. Um, be just. Be kind. Um, honor yourself and where you come from at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, leap for opportunities that you think are going to be fruitful for you. And even if they're not, learn something from it anyway. Um, Make good friends. Keep good friends, too. Mm. Um, I'm just going to run off a bullet-pointed list (laughs) off the top of my head right now. Um, Take care of yourself. Um, Value yourself. Know yourself. Because post-grad, you kind of have this identity. School has been your identity for so long. Learn. Before you know yourself, learn yourself. Mm -hmm. Experience things so that you can learn yourself. And most importantly, just, I think, keep good intentions and the world will do right by you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the 21, 22-year-old toolkit. Yeah. Walk forward without worrying about what's behind you and just keep good intentions. That's the biggest one for me. Mm -hmm. Just be intent on being good. And that's not like as far of a, a measure of good versus, like good versus okay versus like mediocre. It's like, be good, be kind, be, you know, I can't tell anyone to be happy, but emit, emit a sense of belonging and just like, you know, I am where I am. I'm happy with the people that I meet. I'm happy with the people I don't meet, you know, um, be yourself, man. It's, uh, it's the only way that you can live a full life 
without feeling like your identity is surrounded by what you do, mm. you know, or how you do it. It's just like, you know, just be you and um, allow people to take that or leave it as they will. Because mm-hmm. you don't need everybody. You need certain people. Yeah. But everybody's not necessary. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I love it. I love the graduating student toolkit and mm-hmm. all of those pieces of wisdom that you shared with our listeners. So lastly, final question is, what does success mean to you? Success is relative. Success changes by the person who owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that success is not necessary for everyone. Like some people can just, you know, some people are willing to fail and keep at it, you know, but I think that success is a goal of mine. I think that success means different things to different people. I think that success for me means a house and a family and some kids and, you know, a dog probably because my dad wouldn't let us have dogs. <laughs> Shout out dad. Um, <laughs> my mom still wants a dog. We'll fi- we'll figure that out though. Um, <laughs> but you know, like success is a life well lived and experiences that you can share with others. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to tell a story at the end of the day that inspires one person to be the best version of themselves. That's what success is. Like you can do whatever you want for yourself, but you know, we're only here for a certain amount of time and I'm sorry I'm getting prophetic right now, but like okay. life is life is something that is fleeting and you don't have an exponential amount of time. Matter of fact, it's very finite. Mm-hmm. So what you leave after you is the success, is success, you know? Yeah. Just who who you've impacted what do other people have to say about you? Mm-hmm. Um, are you successful in that right? And if you're successful in that right, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, so true. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, this was, I think, just an awesome interview. And we so appreciate um, you coming back to campus and taking time to chat with us and share your story and um, allow people to, you know, be inspired by your journey and not let adversity in those moments um define you and your in your life so thank you so much for joining us and being on uh, brew and success today uh you are so very welcome i like i said i'm humbled by the opportunity to share my story you know if anybody has any can learn anything from it i feel like i've done an okay job so um yeah like i said thank you for having me um yeah and just i'll i work down the street so anything <laughs> else you need just let me know sounds great You've been listening to the Bruin Success Podcast. Our guest this week was Jared Richmond, Senior Account Manager at Wasserman. You can find more information on Jared in the description of the podcast. Follow Partnership UCLA Alumni Career Programs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time when we're back chatting with Jennifer Lee, Global Program Manager and Associate Principal Scientist at L'Oreal. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.